All right, here we go with Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's start with the museum announcement. And as expected, Horgan uh, indefinitely postponing the project, right? Because at first there was some speculation there'd be like a two-year freeze on it. No, no, there's no timeline. They just want this thing dead and buried now, right? At least until after the next election. No timeline, no instructions to the board and the CEO. Just go out there, consult, you know, bring it back, uh, I think, probably after the next election. And see what comes of it. It's not going to be what it looks like right now, which is an eight-year project, $800 million. Uh, it might still probably cost a lot of money because construction costs are soaring through the roof on anything you're building right now, whether it's a museum, a bridge, or a home renovation. Uh, so it's going to still be an expensive project, but it's not going to be sitting in front of the voters come 2024. Okay, let's listen to Horgan here. And I thought this was interesting. He points out that, yeah, it may have been some of his, a uh, couple of his cabinet ministers who were leading on this file, but the decision to cancel it, the decision to take the blame for this bungled announcement, he takes on himself. So have a listen to what he said here. I'll get your thoughts. Horgan, yesterday. I had two ministers working on this, uh, Lisa Baer initially, uh, in the first term of our government, and Melanie Mark over the past two years. And both of them uh, worked very hard to ensure that we were uh, getting the message out to people about the importance of protecting these items. I want to thank them for their hard work, but I want to assure British Columbians that any failings, any failings in this initiative do not fall to them, they fall to me and to me alone. When I heard that, one of the things that went through my mind is I'm just wondering if he might be thinking about not running again, maybe stepping aside and retiring before the next election and just take all the baggage with him. I don't know. I mean, I I think this is a one-off situation. I mean, the speculation will continue about Horgan's future for some time. But I found it very interesting. He repeatedly said, basically, the buck stops with me. And voters love that. They love to see political leaders fall on their sword and admit a mistake and say, I'm sorry, I'm going to move on. You and I talked about it yesterday. Ralph Klein in Alberta made a career out of that, and uh, his approval rating kept going up every time he made a mistake and owned up to it. WAC Bennett had a number of the proverbial second look at a problem, at an issue that became a problem. So, How about Gordon Campbell and the drunk driving when he uh, people thought, well, it's going to end his political tears. career? He gave a tearful apology yep. and went up in the polls. Yeah, that's a, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's nothing wrong with politicians saying, I'm sorry, I screwed up. Yeah, That's human. And, and it, it elicits human sympathy, uh, sympathy from, from the voters. So I think it was a smart move by Horgan yesterday. It was interesting. We were sitting in the press theater yesterday before Horgan arrived, and we were wondering, is he going to come in with a big entourage? Is it going to be the ministers, the, the, the sort of the experts who briefed us on this thing? Is it going to be people from the museum? Uh, people from his office, uh, because we've seen news conferences like that before with a very crowded room where the, where the officials outnumber the reporters. Not so yesterday. He entered with his press secretary. That was it. And he said, the buck stops with me. And I think that's well, a smart that, move. That's why I was thinking, like when I was watching it, I'm thinking like, I don't think he's going to run again. And and he's just taken the baggage with him. I, you know, I, because I, I think I honestly think that's going through the back of his mind right well, it might now. Be, but I don't think it's because of this issue. Yeah, but if he wa- if he decides to step aside and not run again, I mean, then he he's going to take try to take all the bad stuff with him as he goes. But I think That's this issue point. disappears. Yeah, it's gone. I mean, we're not going to be talking about the museum next month. It's gone. So, uh, in terms of baggage, the baggage has left the station. If it had hung around, it would be baggage, and it'd be more than a you know Samson yeah. Samsonite luggage here. We get to a 
a Pullman uh, car in terms of, <laughs> of, of baggage. Okay, I spoke to Liberal leader Kevin Falcon about it this morning, and, and he says, well, I'm glad to see that Horgan has done this. This is what we wanted him to do, but he still had some criticism. But, you know, I'm just thinking if you were to give him a shot of truth serum, no, he'd probably he have to admit that, boy, I wish that we won't have this to kick <laughs> he around was anymore. rubbing his hands, I think, as yeah. were the Liberals, looking forward to the fall for the yeah. official closing of the museum. Sure. And a big ceremony, and then come to, come to the legislature question period all fall long about yeah. beating the NDP over the head with it, as they did effectively in the last couple of weeks of the session. But this issue, like I say, it's it's off the table now. Okay, let's listen to Falcon here talking about the museum announcement. This is Kevin Falcon speaking yesterday. What concerns me is he has not ruled out them moving forward with the exact same plan, and indeed. He ruled out a renovation of the existing building. This does not strike me as a leadership moment, as one might think, because this is directly the result of a bad poll that showed that the vast majority of British Columbians thought this was a really crazy idea. And what the Premier has done is now pass the buck to the board. Okay. I, I think actually, honestly, he probably truthfully would, is disappointed he that the government has shed this. Thing. Around. It was a nice yeah. battering ram he could use on a daily yeah. basis, and now it's gone. They're going to have to find some other issues, and other issues will emerge. You know, the longer you're in government, the more baggage you're going to accumulate. There's going to be more controversies. They're not going away, but the museum one has gone away. Okay, let's talk about uh, the strike mandate from the, for the BC Government Employees Union. 95% strike vote. What yeah, do you think the GU that? members in my building at the legislature here were telling me yesterday morning they had the over-under at 85%. They thought 85 would be a pretty good number. It comes in at 94.6%. Yeah. Uh, that's a very high number. That's a big mandate for the negotiating team for the GEU. I think they were probably taken aback at just what a number that is. As you, as you mentioned to Stephanie Smith, uh, that membership doesn't have a history of strikes and job action and stuff. The GEU has a track record of sort of setting the, the template for other unions with, with minimal next to uh, or none job action associated with it. So we're in a different world now, and it's going to be fascinating to see where this is headed because the GU's first out of the gate wanting 5% a year minimum with a yeah. cost of living inflation now running 7.7%. Yeah. Just to put it in terms of how much this would cost the provincial treasury, keeping in mind basically all unions get roughly the same package yeah. uh, and in, in these negotiating mandates. And so this one, if everybody were to get 5% across the board mm-hmm. for three years, that would cost because once once you pay out uh, in one year, it remains embedded in the base, and you pay it every year. So one percent equals three hundred million across the board. A five percent wage increase for everyone for almost one hundred thousand employees uh, for three years is about nine point five billion dollars <laughs> to the provincial treasury. Wow. Now there is a lot of money in the three year fiscal plan that is unallocated. Yeah. But that's also there is contingencies and spend, and forecast allowance. But that's also to pay for floods, for wildfires, for unforeseen disasters, um, and also for the contract talks. But there's not enough money in there to cover um, more than 5% a year. You, you also mentioned that there's like pattern bargaining that goes on here, right? So if the BCGEU, so if let's say they get a 5% raise, does that mean the nurses and yeah. the teachers and everyone else, yeah. they'd all get the same raise or even more? Potentially. Yep. yep. But, but uh, again, with some shading around the edges, depending on the uniqueness of your profession, you know, the nurses might have a more creative um, overtime situation, for example. Yeah. Uh, the teachers might, they've got, um, you know, uh, class preparation time that nurses obviously don't have. So there's some, some differences within the sector. But by and large, yeah, once uh, everyone basically gets the same. 
Okay, John Horgan was asked about this strike vote yesterday. I believe you asked him, and let's listen to what he had to say. So here's Horgan yesterday on that 95% strike vote by government workers. Have a listen. We are uh, doing our best to keep uh, uh, the wage costs down, but also acknowledging that in a time of high inflation and uh, a time of uncertainty, that the expectations at the bargaining table are going to be high. But bargaining is what it is, and um, strike votes are a part of that. Uh, I'm confident that we will continue to, to hammer these items out uh, at the bargaining table in the interest of the public of BC. Okay, well, there so hasn't been any hammering yet, so yeah. um, well, they're going back to the table, though. Going back to the table on Monday, yeah. which is good. Yeah. But the gap between the two sides is substantial, yeah. uh, and it's uh, hard to see how that's going to be made up anytime soon. But you know, fingers crossed, we don't have um, we don't have job auction. Um, my building, where I am at the legislature, we have GU members in there. If they put a picket line up. Uh, oh. won't be going in the office. Okay. Stephanie Smith told me that the government's last offer was 1.75% raise in year one, then 2% and 2% Plus in year two and now. three, and a signing bonus, yeah. which she $1, said $1, was $1. so low, she couldn't even remember what well, it was. The signing bonus could be key here. $1,000, I think, is too $1, low. $1,000, that's what they offered as a signing bonus? My understanding is. Yeah. Now, you go back to... 2008, I'm thinking, when yeah. Carol Taylor, the finance minister, to ensure labor peace through the Olympics, $5,000 signing bonus. Wow. Yeah. Now, union negotiators do not like signing bonuses because they're not added to the base. They're a one-time payment. Uh, they are taxable. But on the other hand, employees like a lot of the members of the bargaining unit may like the prospect of a $3,000 signing bonus. It means, wait a minute, so I can go on vacation. I can pay off a credit card. It's real money in your hands right now. And I think you're going to see at the end of the day, part of the solution here, part of the settlement for everyone is going to be a substantive uh, signing bonus. Because I just don't think the government books can absorb a 6% a year wage hike. I just, the money's just not there. But a one-time payment of several thousand dollars, that could be very enticing to the bargaining unit. Okay, take a break, come back, open the phone line. So phone me on that. If you're a member of one of these government unions uh, that are negotiating with the province right now, I would love to hear from you and some of these, the wage pressures, all of these unions are looking for a significant wage hike to at least match the inflation rate, which is running at 40-year highs right now. Phone me and uh, give me your thoughts on that. Jeremy in Abbotsford. Hi, Jeremy, go ahead. Hey, Mike. I came to the museum last week. I wanted to take my six-year-old there so she could see it before it closes for eight years. And I was disappointed because everything above the woolly mammoth floor, which is the whole top of the building, has been closed. I talked to staff since January the 2nd. So this has been in the works for a long time. Mm-hmm. They charge $5 to walk through there. It literally takes 15 minutes. I've been going yeah. there since I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, I'm disappointed at the softball that you guys lob working all the time. Like, call him out on that. He, he makes it sound like they just started this announcement the other day or about 40 days ago it was january 2nd they closed the museum and your show and everybody's show was saying you can go there till the end of summer to see it before it's closed for eight years that's not true there's one section open and that's it keith can so, walk across the street and look at that museum and yeah. figure yeah we've yeah, covered all we've covered, covered all of that we covered, we covered the closure all of that. back in january yeah. it was controversial i spoke out against it because quite frankly uh i my family grew up at that museum and the real attraction there uh for particularly local residents. Tourists go there once, and that's it. Local residents would go there many, many times, when, particularly when your kids are young. And the number one attraction, yeah, the Woolly Mammoth was a big deal, uh, but it was Old Town. It was the uh, Captain Cook's ship. Uh, it was um, you know, the recreation of Old Town, the old hotel. 
Yeah, the, the old, old train old station. Town, old Town was like a recreation of like a gold rush town or something. Yeah. Wasn't it like or, a Main Street? Main Street. So yeah. you had a hotel, you had the blacksmith yeah. shop, you had the bar, the saloon. Yeah. Uh, you also had the old train station of Port Moody. Why did they shut it down? Because it wasn't consistent with what? Never gave a proper... Uh, it's too colonial? Well, so that they was had to one of the explanations. Of then they ran away from that. Oh, it's not about that. But yeah. that was one of the first explanations. It was it was colonialist. It wasn't yeah. representative of all all inclusive of things. Right. But there was a. They just, I'm not saying they did it in the dead of night, but it suddenly was done very quickly. And I think that. So the caller is absolutely right. It's it's pointless even going now. It's five bucks to walk through a natural diorama exhibit, and that's it. Yeah. Um, so it is going to remain open, but there's not much to see there. <laughs> Did, the best shows thing, you how much this has been bungled. The only good thing that's remaining open are the food trucks behind the museum. Yeah. Because there's some good food trucks there. Yeah, Horgan said that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't worry. You can still go to the food trucks. And that's about out it. Back. You can wave at the woolly mammoth and pay yeah. your five bucks. Jill on the line in Vancouver. Hi, Jill. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning, guys. I'd like to know what salary increase percentage Horgan and the other MLAs have gotten the last three years. Keith, do you know offhand? Yeah, several percent. I mean, it's uh, it's it's true. They their their wage increase is higher than what they've been offering the BCGU. Now it's eighty-seven MLAs versus you know thirty thousand GU members. So there's the cost of the provincial treasury is minimal. But this is one of the things that's going to be raised at the bargaining table is compared to raises other places, particularly for the MLAs. And the MLAs in the government, it was only 87 people. Well, it's still the optics. You know, it's it's tied to inflation, right? Yep. Like the MLA annual pay raises are automatic. And they, do, they did this to take the politics out of it or whatever. So now it's indexed to inflation. Mm-hmm. So that gives a perfect talking point to someone like Stephanie Smith, who, who made Index the point this morning. Well, yeah, we want an, a, a, an inflation raise too, just like you're getting yeah so the 7.7 so. percent if it's an eight percent inflation rate uh if you're going to get that over three years i'm just doing the quick math here that's probably about 14 billion dollars right <laughs> and the 95 percent uh strike mandate does not guarantee there will be a strike i nope. mean there are other types of job actions they could do they could do work to rule they could do like rotating many, many strikes instances, well yeah it, it couldn't lead to nothing i mean yeah. all it does is just uh, sort of a wake-up call to the employer yeah oh 95 you just can't dismiss that out of hand so it puts pressure on the employer now to come back to the table with a more generous offer but this is how bar- i've been involved in bargaining it's give and take you come back you reject it, you come back, you maybe sweeten the offer, the other side comes down a bit, and you find a, finally find the sweet spot. But the sweet spot's going to be very elusive this time because we've not seen inflation at this level since 1983. Right, and the negotiations, I mean, you could have uh, also uh, essential service levels could be oh, they will, decided no as well. No matter what happens, there's always essential service levels. Right. And they vary from sector to sector. So it's not like they could shut the entire government service apparatus down completely. Depends on yeah. what operation. Um, liquor stores? Could they close, close liquor stores? Oh, yeah. Are they going to close cannabis stores? Yep, if they're government-owned. Yeah. Um, but private liquor stores, it's interesting, in 83, when there was a big operation, solidarity, mass protests and strikes, uh, they shut government liquor stores down and there was panic in the streets. But there was, yeah. no pri- there was no private liquor stores back then. So now there's a proliferation of private liquor stores. Those will not be picketed, but government ministry offices will. But we're still not there yet. Hopefully talks will, will be successful starting on Monday. Keith, thanks for coming in. All right, that's Keith Baldry. That was Baldry's Beat. Thanks for all your calls there.